Attentive Teaching, Advocating Calm, Cultivating Resilience. Hi, welcome to Attentive Teaching. I'm Cindy Schwartz. In this episode, we talk about our ability as human beings, and specifically as teachers, to experience gratitude. Gratitude is often defined as the ability to recognize and acknowledge the good things, the people, and the places in our lives. But the question is, how often do we practice gratitude? How often do we actually take the time, even if it's a moment, to say or write or even think about what we are grateful for? And it's only recently, I have to admit, that I have taken more time to ponder this very question. And maybe it appears that the fast pace of our lives and the challenges we face, especially as teachers, might be one of the reasons that we find it difficult to practice gratitude on a regular basis. But perhaps today is the day that we change all that and we shift our mindset to a more grateful one. You know, Matthew Kelly, the author of Perfectly Yourself, Nine Lessons for Enduring Happiness, has said that he believes, and I quote, unhappiness is the fruit of doing and saying things that contradict who we are and what we are here for. And he also believes that there are an unlimited number of ways and reasons to be unhappy at this very moment. Unhappiness is always an option, but so is happiness. And finally, he believes that too often we judge an activity by how we feel about it beforehand. He says this is a failed notion. We shouldn't judge activities by how we feel before the activity. We should judge them by how we feel afterwards in retrospect. So after reading all of this, I thought, hmm, this is interesting. Maybe we could apply this to our feelings about gratitude. And I think so. Because giving thanks and recognizing and acknowledging the good things, the people and places in our lives, needs to start on a moment-by-moment basis. And if being happy is a choice, like Matthew Kelly believes, then feeling thankful is one as well. And if we judge how we feel about an activity beforehand, let us think about how we judge teaching. And let's shift and think about how we judge teaching by the end of our day. And I know, of course, there will be challenges during the day, monumental ones, whether you are teaching physically, in the classroom, or teaching remotely. But I challenge you to reflect on your day once your teaching day is done, not before, and then mindfully choose one activity, person, or event that made you feel good, one that made you smile or feel worthy, or an event or person or happening that made you feel grateful for where you are right now in your life. Well-known psychologist Dr. Robert Emmons, paraphrased in the online periodical Imagine Learning, believes that by practicing gratitude, you will just, and I quote, feel better. He also believes, and I quote again, that grateful people also feel more hope, more optimism, and a desire to get along with others. And Ed Utopia, elaborating on these findings, claimed in 2014, with other words by Dr. Emmons and Dr. Jeffrey Froh, further suggested, and I quote, keeping a gratitude journal will improve grades for students, help kids achieve higher goals, have more satisfaction in their relationships, in life and in school. They will be less materialistic and have a willingness to give back if they practice more gratitude. 
Edutopia also suggests that teachers can start their mornings with their students physically or remotely by asking students to either write or remotely type in three things that they are grateful for. And then I think we could add this. You as their teacher should do the same. You as their teacher should model gratefulness. Tell your students you feel grateful to be their teacher. Tell them that. Your vulnerability and humanity will connect you with them more than you can imagine. They desperately want to see you as a person, not just as their teacher in this position of authority. But I know perhaps it is not easy for all students to keep a gratitude journal. Researchers at the Greater Good Science Center at Berkeley recently cautioned, and I quote, that suggesting that children look on the bright side in the face of personal struggle, community suffering, and or systemic inequities would be very dismissive. Keeping a grateful journal might be almost impossible for some students to do. And Dr. Jeffrey Froh and Giacomo Bono at the GGSC said that for students who are experiencing high levels of stress, teachers should know that all they have to do is listen deeply, empathize, and acknowledge their students' feelings. Tell these students that you understand that it might be hard for them to find something to be grateful for. Suggest that they keep a journal anyway and add something whenever they feel ready to do so. Help these students look at gratefulness differently. Maybe have them consider their caregiver, if it's not their parents, as someone that they feel grateful for having in their lives. Maybe they are grateful that you are their teacher. Maybe they are grateful that you give them homework because they know then that you would like them to succeed and do better. So to build gratitude in your classroom, a number of educational and psychological experts agree that journaling, praise, appreciating nature, helping others, and an overall environment of safety and optimism can help students feel gratitude or at least move in that direction. And finally, let's not forget what American and world history has shown us. We are universally grateful for world wars that have ended, vaccines that have been developed, rights that have been secured and protected, babies that have survived, and sunsets that continue to provide just enough awe and reason for tackling another day and trying to bring joy to those we love in ourselves. Famed American painter Norman Rockwell captured in 1943 as the tide of World War II shifted toward favoring the Allies, the essential freedoms and human rights that then-President Franklin Delano Roosevelt articulated in his January 1941 State of the Union Address. And Norman Rockwell captured this in his painting. Those freedoms and human rights included freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom from want, and freedom from fear. Four freedoms that I include in my gratitude journal. I hope that today's podcast has provided you with some doable tips on how to bring a gratitude-based curriculum into your classroom and into your life. Let me know if any of these tips work for you or if you have any suggestions on what you have done to bring gratitude into your classroom and your own life as well. I thank you so much for joining us today on Attentive Teaching. I would love for you to join us each Monday for our new podcast. We shed light on challenges that we all face in the classroom. Visit us at attentiveteaching.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest pages. Subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. 
This has been Cindy Schwartz. So nice of you to stop by. I wish you a beautiful teaching day tomorrow and great peace in your classroom. And although Thanksgiving might look different this year for many of us, I wish you a happy and healthy one just the same. On Wednesday, November 18th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Attentive Talks holds a conversation with real teachers in real time to discuss real issues. This week, we talk about gratitude. Thanksgiving is coming. What are you grateful for? Do you know what your students are grateful for? For some, it might be hard to find something to be grateful for right now. But maybe, just maybe, there is more to be grateful for than you thought. Let's figure it out together. If you'd like to join our weekly chat, join our private Facebook group, Attentive Talks, where we post our Zoom info. Attentive Talks, this Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Attentive Talk is a project of Attentive Teaching, where advocating calm and cultivating resilience are our number one priorities.